Hello and good morning, Cross Train Church. Welcome back. This is the second message in our weekend series where we look at the concept of how will the Lord bring diversity into unity in heaven one day. And the theme is E Pluribus Unum. If you haven't watched yesterday's message, I encourage you stop now, go back. It's about 15 minutes and it's time well spent. It'll give you a solid foundation for where we're going to be today. So in this second message, we're going to unpack some of the truths later found in Revelation chapter 5. But before we do that, let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that above all things and all places and all people, you reign supreme. There isn't a place high enough or a depth low enough that you do not have sway. Thank you, Lord, that over this Independence Weekend, we celebrate our freedom to worship you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So the first part of the message left you work through the concept showing that out of many that are seeking while lost, all of God's elect everywhere gathered together from different backgrounds and cultures couldn't unify to claim the authentic authority needed to open God's book, to open God's book of redeeming salvation. In fact, we examined how the first thing necessary in bringing unity out of diversity was to smash away personal idols from our lives and from different places, from the thrones in our heart, to make room for the one who was granted the authority of the throne by merit of his unilateral, all-encompassing, and both ever-sufficient and ever-efficient character to buy back everyone, ever, to the eternal presence of God for eternity. Consider Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 to open us up to the gospel message of Christ. And it reads, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. God's perfect place to bring unity to his people through difficult diversity started at the beginning of time, as we read in the first three words of the Bible, in the beginning. His redeemed people needed a savior to usher in eternal community. Open your Bible to Revelation 5 and listen or follow along as I read verses 5 through 9, which we're going to spend our time in today. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome, so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Our continuing big idea and main message throughout the whole weekend is this. How will God reconcile a world of diversity into a heaven of unity one day? Well, the passage read above deserves an entire full sermon on its own. However, I'm going to offer a brief treatment of the text so you 
can dive into the riches of the word as a family or as a group of friends or even on your own. And as the Spirit guides you, he will illuminate you. The continued part of the driving statement on this thought for you to chew on today will continue the concept out of the many that are seeking while lost, the authority of the risen Christ. So we're going to focus on authority today. So Revelation chapter 5 is going to provide us a short lesson in authority. So what holds authority in your life? Is it yourself and your wisdom? Or is it the wisdom found only in the unsearchable riches of God? And really, how would you define authority? As I, as I take a minute, is authority power? Is authority influence? Is authority salvation? Is authority something that you're born with by merit of your last name? Is it something that you're granted by position of title? Is it something that you earn as a good friend in someone's life? Is it a place that you occupy in people's hearts? What is authority? Well, as a police officer, I've been granted authority by the government to involve myself in people's lives in really all those areas. And most times it is just to mediate conflict and to solve problems between people. In small cases, the granted authority that's accepted by society in our culture allows me to interpret the law and to take away someone's freedom through an arrest. In fact, police officers are the only group of people in the only line of employment that have the right to break the Fourth Amendment prohibiting unlawful search and seizure. Not even the President of the United States can arrest a private citizen. So while people are generally not pleased that they're going to jail, they, they rarely enter into conversation as to the legitimacy of the officer's right to arrest them. But consider what we read in Revelation 5. Who was worthy? Jesus was the lamb slain. He walked up and took the book. Not one soul in the throne room of heaven, which we can't even imagine and that we get glimpses of through John. Not one soul felt that was wrong or challenged his right to do so. And in verse 4, they all wept, if you remember, because they saw that no one was worthy to do that themselves. So they responded not as a conquered people under authority, but as a people obeying out of a lovingly giving heart that had everything in song that they wanted to present to the worthy Lamb of God. So, why could it have only been Jesus to step up and grasp the book of life? the salvation that was going to be uh, redeemed among the people. How could it only have been Jesus? It's a question that other faiths would try to answer. And as we talk about diversity through this weekend, we also highlight our independence. And again, I prayed the freedom we have is to worship the one risen God, the God that he himself sent down his son and that son lived a perfect life on earth as a man experiencing things that you, me, and anyone we can think of have never experienced. And he suffered for that. And knowing that the only way that the wrath of God, the redemption of God to the people for the justice that must be meted out had to be placed on him. So Jesus took that for us, for you, on the cross. And when he died, he said, it is finished. It was his message being brought to the world. It was his saving grace. 
It was him pouring out his love on the cross. And then he rose three days later and ascended into heaven where he sits constantly interceding on behalf of people, both that are Christians and for those who have not yet experienced the grace and love and forgiveness and redemption of Jesus. And if that is you, listen to me now. In discussions later today, you may talk about fireworks. You may talk, it's Saturday, let's go have a barbecue. You may have those discussions, but those discussions fade and fireworks go out. But the love of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he paid for you never fades. It never fades. And if you don't know that love, I encourage you to reach out. We're at www.crosstrain.church. My name is Jeff Dawkins. I'm one of the elders here. You can reach out to me, to Pastor Doug Troyer, or to whomever you're with this weekend that would give you a glimpse of the love and hope that comes by putting your faith and trust and obedience in the authority of Jesus Christ. But that wasn't in my notes. But obviously, that's real. That's what my family and I live our life on. So jumping back into the message, the law of God requires a perfect holiness in his presence. And I alluded to that talking about justice. And if you wonder where I get that from, I first see that in Leviticus 19.2, where it says, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am in holy. It says, I, the Lord God, am holy. And we can't be holy, but he asks us to be. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25, among other places, talks about the standard of holiness that God expects for his people. Here's the problem. No one, as I mentioned, is created holy or worthy. And yet, all created people fall under God's authority. Whether you believe that or not, it's truth. And much like the person that's arrested recognizes that they cannot change the law or the consequences for breaking the law, so do all people innately recognize that they're under both God's law and subject to his consequences when that law is violated. So... God gave us an actual piece of himself, as I mentioned, through Jesus to solve this problem of authority and judgment. Jesus, as God, took the authority, which was rightly his to have, and he claimed the judgment from God for all the rebellious creation. As I mentioned, he took that for you and I and everyone, people that don't even know about him, people that have never yet been born, and people that have died. He took it for all of them. And that's how God can allow all who accept his free gift of salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus to be, in to be in his presence in heaven and to be holy because he sees us all as created what we're meant to be as holy because he looks through the filter of the sacrifice of Jesus. And yet, even now viewed as holy, we are still the created, not the creator. And it's God who gives and it's him alone who has the authority. And his son, the risen Christ, can claim his inherited right to open that book. It's the continuation of the redemptive plan that God began when he created us in the beginning. The first three words of the Bible. And take a look how Paul describes this in Titus 2, verses 11 through 15. You can make a note and check it later. I'm going to read it for us now. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, 
looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So this sets a good battle plan for all those who are not yet in heaven with Jesus. And by recognizing that you're not the authority in your own life, no, really, you're not the authority in your own life, you can let Jesus in at that point. He sits on the throne that you just cleared yesterday from your idols. Authority implies obedience, and we get to gratefully submit our lives daily from how we speak to our families, to how we interact with others at work, or how you choose to spend the 168 hours given to you each week under the guidelines that the one in authority has created. So as we draw this concept to a close on authority, consider further in Titus as Paul relates in chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. I'm going to read it for us. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Do you, do you get that? I'll read that again. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The word diversity today is magnifying its own dictionary definition. Let me read that to you. It says the practice or quality of including or involving people from a range of different social and ethnic backgrounds, and of different genders, sexual orientations, etc. Well, how can anyone throw aside what pre-Christians are screaming for us all to accept as real and normal for what's considered isolationistic and exclusive by the world standards? Is it worth it? Is Christianity worth it? Well, the real question is, who are we to even ask? Who has the authority in your life to make that call? The second scriptural truth that's going to close us out today that I want to challenge you with is this. When we unburden our lives with the responsibility of being in charge of everything, a certain clarity sets in. That clarity reveals that we're not capable of earning our way into heaven. No matter what you've been told, there's no amount of money, there's no power, there's no good deeds, there's no amount of likes on Facebook. None of that gets you into heaven, or for that matter, you don't have the authority to run your own lives whatever way you want to get to a holiness standard. The authority in our lives was determined when time began in the beginning. Jesus paid the price for it all. And only when we willfully submit to his way of living will we shine as the bride that we were made to be. So this is the end of the second part of the discussion. Reread Revelation 5 verses 5 through 9 as a basis for discussion. And again, I would encourage you, read it in the Bible, read it on your phone on a Bible app, or you can always find it at our website at www.crosstrain.church, where we're training people to teach God's truth. If you haven't had a chance to download the discussion questions and some of the notes, which will highlight a little bit more of these main talking points, you can go to our website that I just listed, go to the weekly resources, and download Today's, uh, today's training plan. 
So the takeaway discussion, I'm going to read it. It's also posted there. Now that you've done the idol smashing work from yesterday to let Jesus rule the throne of your life, how can you celebrate walking in obedience to what the Bible teaches you as grateful submission? I mean, in other words, what changes, if any, do you think you need to make in the following areas? Relationship with the Lord daily. Reading and responding to the word of God daily. Healthy things grow, and they grow by being fed and watered. How about communication and service with your family and others, and how you show who's your authority in life when you're actually at work? Write out just one way, just one way to step into where the Lord's leading in each of these areas. Then tell someone what you've decided. When we walk accountable, then we can walk worthy. Thanks for spending time with me. Let me pray. Father God, thank you again for the privilege it is to talk about your word with the people desperate to hear it. And as Jeremiah preached to Jerusalem that the coming time was near and to repent and believe, few turned, a few ignored him, most people walked away. Lord, let us not be a people where your truth falls on deaf ears and blind eyes and empty souls, but Lord, fill us, make us into the people that you would desire to be because you are the only one worthy with authority to do so. In your name I pray, amen.